This is FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program Spotlight, now we bring you a discussion on strengthening cooperation between India and Sri Lanka. The participants are Ashok Sajjanhar, former diplomat, and Nilova Roy Chaudhary, journalist. Prime Minister Mahinda Rajapaksa of Sri Lanka is on his first state visit to India since his return to power and since his brother Gotabaya was elected president in November. He's here for a five-day visit during which, of course, he had a series of meetings with Prime Minister Narendra Modi yesterday. He's also due to visit Varanasi and Sarnath and Bodh Gaya and all of the places of Sinhala interest, particularly the Buddhist circuit. After their talks yesterday, the focus, of course, was on counterterrorism. But Ambassador Sajanhar, the fact that Prime Minister Narendra Modi raised the issue rehabilitation of the Tamil population of Sri Lanka. That come to you as a bit of a surprise yesterday? Not really. Why I say this is because this is an issue that India has always been raising with uh, the Sri Lankan authorities at whatever level, whoever the interlocutors are at high level, we've always been raising with them. And I think particularly at this moment, it was uh, very significant and very important to have raised this because if you remember the provincial councils that had been set up under the 13th Amendment, which was signed during the period when India had intervened in Sri Lanka in the 1980s. So at that time, it was agreed that these provincial councils would be set up. And uh, Gotabaya Rajpaksa, after he became the president, he had said that either their powers will be diluted or mandate would be changed. So this had raised uh, considerable concern. Of course, not that they were functioning very effectively, what was really required and needed was to further strengthen their operations. And uh, in that context, I think uh, it was important that uh, this should be done. And even the Prime Minister in his own statement mentioned and expressed the very sincere and strong hope and confidence that uh, the equality and justice and peace and dignity and respect of the Tamil people as a part of a united Sri Lanka, that would be preserved and honored. And even Mahinda Rajpaksa in his one of his interviews to one of the journalists, he has also said rather than diluting the functions, they are planning to further strengthen the functions. He has said that these councils have not really been equipping themselves very creatively because all the money that goes to them, rather than spending, they are not doing any work, all the money they have been returning. So the government would want that they take their responsibilities seriously and use all the money for developmental work for which it is meant. Of course, traditionally, the Rajapaksas have been viewed as very pan-Sinhala, nationalist, extreme national chauvinism is the kind of image that they have projected. And to be fair, President Gotabaya did actually throughout his election campaign, the issue of united Sri Lanka and a strong Sri Lanka were his major planks. Fact is that on the 4th of February, which is their national day, in the speech that he made, he talked about this unitary kind of a system and that there would be one Sri Lanka and everybody would be an equal citizen. Now, while this sounds very, very good on the surface, why is it then that there is this sort of fear that's crept in again after the Rajapaksas took over that again a kind of a Sinhalese nationalism is going to come to the fore and the problems with the Tamils which had uh, begun to get sorted out 
after 2009. Again, likely or the possibility that they resurface because after those terrorist attacks, granted that the Tamils had nothing to do with it last Easter, but the fact still remains that there are a lot of Christian Tamils and so on and so forth. This perception, again, of this strong chauvinist, unitary kind of leadership, is that creating problems even amongst our own Tamil population in Tamil Nadu? You put your finger really on the pulse of the issue that, you know, it's also a matter of perception, very highly of perception, because the Rajapaksas are seen to be sort of, you know, in favor of support the interests of the Sinhala majority, in favor of the unitary nationalistic sort of a government there. And uh, this is the sort of plank on which uh, Gotabaya had run when he was fighting the presidential election. This has been their avowed stance even during the 10 years when Mahinda Rajapaksi was the president from 2005 to 2015. And then after becoming president, Gotabaya Rajapaksi has also said uh, that full devolution of powers under the 13th Amendment will not be possible if the Sinhala majority is opposed to it or does not support it. So I think all these comments and all these statements have given rise to considerable anxiety and apprehension in the minds of the Tamil minority. And that is the reason why to get reassurance on this was very, very important. And I'm very happy that the Prime Minister raised it. And I'm very happy that in his interview, Mahindra Rajpakse has come out clearly in support of the 13th Amendment. But of course, as they say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So we Let's wait and see as to how proactively the government is able to implement whatever it says. How significant do you think is the fact that both President Gotabaya's first visit outside was to India and he came and met with the Prime Minister and the leadership here? And similarly, Prime Minister Mahinda also makes India his first port of call and not popular apprehension again was that Beijing might become a stronger center for both of these people. So how significant is the fact that they both chose to first come to Delhi and what exactly is the takeoff from this? Should India infer that the neighborhood first policy New Delhi is having kind of a greater impact or is it purely the plank of counter-terrorism that is binding Colombo to Delhi at this point? Not at all. I don't think it is only the plank of counter-terrorism. Our relationship is very multifaceted, very multidimensional. So I find that the fact that President Gotabaya Rajpaksa chose India to be the first country of his visit after being elected, that was very reassuring and gratifying. And so also is the fact that Prime Minister Mahinda Rajapaksi has come here. Of course, we need to recognize that even Ranil Vikramasinghe, when he became the Prime Minister, India has traditionally been the first country of the visit and so also was for Maitripala Sarisena. But knowing what the Rajapaksis have been and the very considered and significant tilt towards China that Mahinda Rajapaksi had shown when he was the president, so I think this was necessary, this was reassuring. And I think all the sound that Mahinda Rajapaksi made, you know, for instance, what he said in a different context, that India is our only relative and all other countries are our friends. So thereby placing India on a much higher pedestal, that means our relations with India are very, very special, very unique, and no other relation can compare with it. And also while speaking about China, he said just supplying us with the development aid, we have been 
beneficiaries of the BRI, but Sri Lanka was coming out of the 30-year war and we needed development, we needed to develop infrastructure and China came in with that money and so there's nothing wrong that we took uh, support from them, financial support. I remember President Rajapaksa, when he was President Mahinda Rajapaksa, had the fortune of interviewing him. And he had said that we had offered, India was our first choice. choice. You're very right, because common knowledge that Tota was offered to India first. But India saw that it does not have commercial viability, and that's why we didn't take it. And China saw that it had no commercial viability but that it has strategic significance and that is why they took it. So they might be losing money on it, but then to advance their own policies in the Indian Ocean, they have done that. And also, you know, what Mahindra Rajpaksi said was that we only 12% of our foreign debt to China. And he actually blamed the government of Maitripala Sarisena and Ranil Vikramasinghe, saying that they are the ones who swapped debt for equity. And they will try to do something to reverse it so that, you know, the whole issue of debt trap over 99-year lease and so on and so forth and more than 15 or 1,000 acres of land that has been given to Chinese companies to develop so that they can reverse that decision. But that, of course, we'll have to see how it goes. But point I'm making is that he made all the very correct noises when he was here basically to assuage any concerns that India has and to reassure India and in fact, uh, rather than India mentioning the neighborhood first policy, Prime Minister Mahinda Rajapaksa, who himself said that we are huge beneficiaries of the neighborhood first policy of India. Of course, before this was enunciated, even in while fighting the LTTE, he said without the help of India, we could not have won that war. The Rajapaksas have appreciated hugely this time is that in the election, there was absolutely no suggestion of any interference by India. The Indian High Commission was completely neutral and stayed back and stayed off, unlike suggestions that there have been in 2014. So I think that is one of the reasons that perhaps Rajapaksas have been well disposed this time, particularly right from the outset towards India. Do you think that's a correct assessment? I think this is a policy now that India has adopted, not interfering, but also seen not to be interfering. If you look at some of the recent elections, whether it was in Bhutan, whether it was in Bangladesh, I think we really made it a point and made it very clear that we are hands-off. And, you know, whatever, these are internal matters of the government. Even in Maldives, if you remember, when in face of very serious provocation, when uh, the former President Mohammad Nasheed was suggesting and was uh, trying to solicit support from India, but we didn't go in not because, you know, we thought that some other countries like China or some, how they might react, but we didn't want to do it. And I think that has paid us very good dividends in Bhutan also. We see initially there were some apprehensions, but everything has been worked out. Bangladesh, of course, and uh, Maldives also. And here you are right, in 2015, it was seen that the Indian agencies had some role to play. You would remember that in 2018, Mr. Maitripala Sirisena himself had also suggested that there was an attempt on his life behind which uh, the Indian secret agency was involved. So I think here uh, India sort of, you know, stayed away from this. And after the election, Sri Lanka, I think, has also realized that uh, India is its closest neighbor. And, you know, I'm sure they also must be recognizing 26 December 2004 when tsunami took place. Who was it that went to their aid and assistance? 
Before 26 December was out, there were two Navy hospital ships that were on the port of Colombo, sort of extending assistance and support. And I think our collaboration and cooperation, you mentioned terrorism right at the beginning, but uh, our development cooperation, you know, it is uh, $3 billion dollars. Out of that, $600 million is grant when uh, Gotabaya Rajapakse came last November on his first visit after becoming president. Prime Minister Modi offered him $450 million of development assistance. We have constructed more than 46,000 houses in the north and eastern areas and 10,000 more in the central highlands where the people of Indian origin are there. And what Mahindra Rajapakse also said is that India should try to spread this housing projects not only to these areas but to larger part to the southern part and to the southeast part where uh, the sinhalas are uh, located so that all of them will have benefit one last comment i like to make here because i think you know when uh, mahindra rajpakse comes here he goes not only to the buddhist sites he also goes to tirupati he also visits the kashi vishwanath temple yes. and you know he was asked why do you go there He said, I'm a great devotee of Vishnu also. So I'm a Buddhist, but I'm a great devotee. I think like many Indians, they might be Hindus, but they're also great devotees of Buddha. I think the India, Sri Lanka, RCEP was it? Or was the FTA that, FTA, that FTA. really took off and benefited Sri Lanka hugely as well as India? I think bilateral trade improved a lot. But the fact that the Rajapaksas have chosen India as their first port of call, I think makes it a hopeful sign for the state of relations for the next few years. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. That because I think if they had played themselves differently in terms of not making all these very reassuring and statements which give great confidence to India. And I think on the part of India also, we did not allow ourselves to be bound by our earlier experience. As soon as the results in November were out, Mr. Jaishankar was in uh, Colombo and inviting the president and also then inviting the prime minister. So I think we have also been extremely proactive. So on both sides, they say that there is much more to be gained by having positive uh, relations rather than having any adversarial uh, ties between the two countries. Thank you so much, Ambassador Sajanhar. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on strengthening cooperation between India and Sri Lanka. The participants were Ashok Sajjanhar, former diplomat and Nilova Roy Chaudhuri, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.com. You can also follow on the News on AIR app for updates and you may email your opinion about this program at airnsttalks at gmail.com.